have the Lord this morning say amen. Praise the Lord. Appreciate you being with us today in our first day service of our Camp Meeting and Missions Conference 2019. Um, we believe in the Lord to do great things this week. Uh, we have a, a lot of responsibility. We have a world to reach. And I, I know the Lord is going to bless us in every service, and we're going to hear things preached that are going to address us where we are and as we are in our present condition, in our mind, in our body, in our home, in our ministries. And the Lord's going to strengthen us, and God's going to help us and minister to us. But I always tell my church, God doesn't minister to us or bless us or help us for the sake of us being blessed or helped. There's a reason, there's a purpose behind that. God does what he does in us to make us qualified, to make us whole, to make us spiritually healthy, to be able to fulfill the mandate that he has placed upon every child of God and upon every church. And that is to maximize ministry here, to be who God has called us to be. I was preaching to my church Wednesday night. It's come down a little hard in the preaching. And, uh, of course, I knew that whatever I preached Wednesday night, by the time camp meeting got, nobody's feelings would be hurt. They got here, camp meeting got here. It, it you know, it just kind of sailed on through. But I, I, I preached on the call. Never got, never got to evangelizing missions. Uh, the first call, foremost, first and foremost call of the church is to be good, to be born again, to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and all of that. You know, everything comes after that, that now we have to be who God, not just what he's called us to, but who God has called us to be. And that's living, breathing, walking, talking representations of the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost. And we have been called in this hour to reach our communities and to reach this world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a mandate on every pastor and every church. I've had them say to me over time, uh, well, you know, why do, why do you put such an emphasis on that, on going, reaching, when we have so much to do here? Some have no problem with local outreach, but they have no vision or burden for ministry beyond our borders because they don't understand that missions is the full extension of outreach, that outreach is not complete until it reaches beyond. We reach beyond the four walls of our church building reach beyond our church family, but we also reach beyond the borders of our nation. I want to tell you what, what, what borders are. They're lines on a map or a globe drawn by governments and men, but we live in a global world. We're a part of a global community and a global family. And I'm glad today that, that my Christian family is bigger than what I have right around me and here in the United States. I have family washed in the blood, full of a Holy Ghost all around this world. And so we work with them and through them to help them carry out the call that God has placed upon their life. But we have a divine mandate placed upon us. Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature. Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. We have a mandate to finish that great commission. I believe we are the last generation. I believe the Lord's coming in our time. So we have to finish that great commission. It's fallen to us to finish it in the power of Pentecost. And so while the Lord is blessing us and helping us and 
reviving us and restoring us, we have to understand that it is for his purpose. You know, there's a lot of preaching today about destiny and purpose, and it's become a man-centered thing. My destiny, my purpose. Well, that's a distorted view of what that's all about. Never has been about our destiny and our purpose. It's been about the purpose of God being worked through a called people that he's called unto himself. It is the purpose of God. And I'll tell you what your destiny is. The Bible tells us what that is. It's to be conformed to the image of Christ and to represent him, to be his hands, his feet, and representations of him all over this world, to live and to walk and to minister as he did. That is our greatest purpose, our reason for existing, and that's what this meeting is all about. And I want to thank you for coming and being a part of that. Now, I've been asked about the schedule of preaching. We, we put that out there, and they said, well, how, how's the service is going to go? And so here's the consensus. This is what we just kind of came up with. Um, so you help us spread the word. And I'm going to say this again tonight. Sister Linda is going to preach whenever she takes a notion to preach. And Brother Roger and I are just going to kind of fall in line and fall in behind and go along with the program. So <laughs> she told me, she said, remember, my time will come in the pulpit, you know. But I told her she's too sweet to be mean. So anyway, we're, but we're so glad to have Sister Linda and Brother Baltman with us and, and uh, Brother and Sister Luke. We love and appreciate them so much. As we get ready for the Nesbitts to minister to us in song, let's stand today. We have, we have a family here that drove for two days to get here all the way from Oklahoma, and that's Brother Roger's sister and brother-in-law. Thank you for being, but for being with us. But whether you came from a short distance or from way off, we are just so glad and so thankful to have you with us in this service today and this week. Let us pray. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you, God, for your presence, oh, God, that we're already made to feel as we gather as a part of your family. God, we thank you, Lord, for this wonderful opportunity. And I pray this morning, God, that you'll help us to understand something of the value of, of this present situation and this gathering. Oh, God, and we pray that you'd pour your spirit out upon us today, that your will would be done in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Worship with the Nesbitt family this morning.
He's the healer of our great nation. He's the hope of our salvation. If you just raise your hands and praise He's him today. Oh, yes, he is. Hallelujah. Somebody give the Lord praise in this house today. Oh, he is worthy. Glory be to God forever. the Holy Ghost in this house today, church. Let's take our tithes and magnify him today. He's 
Come on, church, give God praise here this morning. Oh, my. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. When troubles of life are over, and we shall meet on that shore, well, it's going to be wonderful. Oh, 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 oh,
Come on, give Jesus a praise in this house. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We shall wear a robe and a crown. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Amen. Appreciate you being with us today. Good to have Pastor Crawley from uh, Clay Hill Church of God. Appreciate him being with us. Brother Sammy from Hortense. Glad to have you with us today. And a new pastor at Baldwin, brother and sister, new pastor at Brother and Sister Music are with us today. We appreciate them coming over being with us in service, and wherever you're from, amen, we appreciate you coming and being part of our camp meeting this year. Pray for our, our pledges, our missions pledges going forward. Uh, if you'd like a pledge and you haven't got one, you can see me after service, and they'll be available each night in the service, and uh, you can look over. We have a pledge sheet, and then we have uh, a sheet that goes with that that explains the various missions that we have going on and, and part of the, most of the reason for uh, this conference. So uh, we've kind of made the missions pledges more general this year because there's so many things going on. We didn't want it to be like you're trying to take a test every time you came to church trying to figure out what you want to support. So we have the general missions uh, a pledge on the sheet, but we also have, if the Lord lays something specifically on your heart from these missions projects that you want to support directly, you can, um, you, you can fill that out as well. Amen. I want Sister Baltman to come around at this time and obey the Lord and share with us what the Lord has laid on her heart. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise as she comes. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, they could have just kept singing. That was wonderful. Felt like I was just about to be raptured away over there. It's going to be wonderful when we get over there, isn't it? I appreciate being in camp meeting, mission conference with Brother Shannon, Sister Jiminy, and Trinity Church of God was so glad to be here last night was wonderful this morning's no different we may not have as many tonight as we had uh, this morning as we had last night 
But the same presence, the same God is with us, and I'm glad for that holy presence of the Lord. I want to be wherever the presence of the Lord is. doesn't matter with me if it's in a closet all by myself, praying, talking with Him, in a sanctuary that's packed out with people worshiping at the same time, riding down the highway, wherever. I just want to be in the presence of the Lord because phenomenal things happen in the presence of the Lord. We never know. We never can predict. We never can judge what will take place. But we do know from the Scripture, He said, that in His presence there is. And that means present tense at all times. There is in His presence fullness of joy at His right-hand pleasures forevermore. I want my joy as full as I can get it. And I want to keep it full because the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I want to stay full. It's just a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'm sorry if I disappointed some of you thinking Brother Roger was preaching this morning. Uh, he will be preaching tonight. Come back tonight. He'll be preaching in uh, in the morning. Come back in the morning. And uh, he'll, he'll just he'll deliver the word of God. I told him, uh, not that I was trying to tell him, Brother Shannon's already ruined my reputation. Might as well say he called me bossy. That's exactly what he did. He called me bossy. Amen. But I didn't call myself full and ranked on him by no means. But uh, I, I told Brother Roger, I said, I'm not telling you what to preach. But I said, if you preach any of those messages you preached at Victory, I won't be disappointed. He has preached to our church. And he preaches other places like he does at our home church. And I told Brother Billy, I believe we were talking to him last night. I told Brother Billy, I said, me and Brother Baltman have grown spiritually under his ministry the years that we've been there. And that's a compliment to the life that he lives. Because if he didn't live the life and pay the price, he couldn't feed us, he couldn't nurture us, he couldn't give us a solid biblical leadership. And I thank God for him and Sister Joan. It's so good to be in revival our camp meeting, I'm so used to being in revivals, camp meeting, youth uh, mission conference, so good to be with them, appreciate being with them, and Joe and Gerald, just friends of ours of many years, good to see brother and sister music, haven't seen them a long time, brother Jeff, so glad they're with us today, appreciate them for coming, and I want to say I appreciate sister Carmen and uh, the Nesbitt family and the ministry they have in song and the way the Lord uses them. Brother Bauman and I were talking along the lines of the anointing, and I'm going to uh, uh, read out of Psalms 127 if you want to go ahead and turn there. But Brother Bauman and I were talking just this week. He said, if a person, whether singer or preacher, it doesn't matter, Sunday school teacher or somebody just getting up to testify, if they don't have that anointing upon their life, it will not, it will not do the good that it could do if there was anointing with it. I don't know about you, but that means more to me than anything. And I believe David feared that after he realized what a horrible sin he had committed with Bathsheba. And in Psalms 51, as he's repenting and crying and pleading with God, he said, Take not the Holy Spirit from me. I don't want to lose it. You don't want to lose it. You don't want to lose it as an individual. We sure don't want to lose it as a church because we'll lose our ability to affect the world and that's when the world will start affecting us. Amen. Psalms 127, starting in verse 1. I want to thank the lady, Sister Jiminy, probably for the meal last night. It was wonderful. Psalms 127, 
If you don't mind, there are only five verses in that psalm. If you don't mind, while you have your Bibles open, would you read out loud along with me those five verses, starting in verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the wombs is his reward. As arrows are to the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Verse 1, read it one more time out loud before you see it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Thank you for standing and thank you for reading. A simple little thought. Now, I've preached along these lines, but I've never preached this uh, per se. And uh, it's not a, an original thought. I'm sure somebody else has used it. But actually, the Lord gave it to me this morning. I told Brother Bob, and I've been studying for a solid week for this camp meeting. I've got notes written page after page after page. And I said, now watch God take me there and not even let me preach all that that I've studied out. So this morning, this is totally unrehearsed, only a few little jotted down notes on a scrap piece of paper. So wherever the Lord takes us this morning, that's where we want to go with Him. Amen. But for my thought, I want to ask the question to you and myself, who is building your house? Who is building your house? I asked Brother Roger, he was the only one that I got to in time to ask, to think to ask, I asked him if I was correct, and I thought I was, and he said, yes. Uh, who built your house that you and Sister Joan live in now? And he said, Brother Steve uh, Willingham built the house. I think others assisted him, but he was the main contractor. And then I could ask you, who built your house? Some of you may know, some of you may not know the house that you're living in. I asked Brother Baltman, we live in a house that was built in 18... 1894, so you know how old that is, and you know as well as I do, whoever built that house is no longer living, amen. If they are, I hope I can find them and find the secret of the length of their life. But the house that we live in was crudely built. It was not built level. The floors are still not level today, even though it's been remodeled and a lot of upgradings done on it. The floors are still, some rooms are like that, and you have to... Be careful where you set your furniture, but uh, the ceilings have been lowered. But that house was not built, I would say, to the specifications of what is required for today. Now, there are codes that must be met by whatever state you're in before that house can be built. Or if it's built without meeting that specification, they will not give consent that you can live in that house. And even in the secular world, they know somewhat of what's good for us and what's safe for us by having some of those codes. But I'll just say this, probably some of those codes may not be necessary 
Maybe it's because they can pull rank on somebody and say, we're going to have it this way. I know our son had a well I dug there near his home, wanted to put a septic tank in, and they made him fill that well up. Nothing wrong with that well and put that septic tank there. Uh, just uh, many codes may not be necessary, but as a general rule, those codes are for our good. If they allowed us to build our houses any way we wanted to build them, they probably wouldn't be safe. And I'll just add this, and my husband loves me, knows I'd never tell anything that's not the truth. I'm glad he didn't build our house. He'll tell you up front, I don't know how to build. He said, I saw three, uh, a piece of lumber three different times, and it was wrong all three times. Never did fit. So you don't want somebody like that building you anything, a lean-to or a a shed or whatever it might be. It's certainly not your home that you live in. But I could ask the question to all of us this morning. Uh, if you were to have a house built, and Brother, uh, Brother Brewer said this as we were admiring once again the, uh, the quarters over there. Not quarters. I did it. I'm sorry. Uh, the guest room and uh, where the children's church is. Uh, as we were admiring that, he said, if we were going to have a house built now, I'd love for Johnny Brown to build our house because he did a fabulous job on remodeling it and building that. But if you were going to build a house now, if you started to build a house now, even now, Brother Roger, after you and Sister Joan have lived in that same house all these years, would there not be some things that you would change about that house? You would change it if you had a new one built. You would say, well, I'd leave this out or I would add that to it because after having lived in it, I see now that this is just a, maybe a waste of space or, or maybe that's just hampering the living quarters a little too much, whatever. But if you were going to have a house built, if I was going to have one built, whether it was elaborate or whether it was a two-room house, I would want it to be built to last. I said, I would want it to be built that it would endure, that it would last. Amen. I would want it to be built as sturdy as is possible. I would want it up to code so that there would be no disqualifying and no uh, not allowing us to live in it because it's not meeting the code. I would want it just like it should be, but I would want it to last. Well, I want to say this about you and I tonight. We each one have a house, and that's likened unto the life that you and I are living. Every one of us are building on a house. Every day that we live, we are building on that house in some form, in some manner. Amen. And some of us have come uh, on up in age like me and Brother Altman, and we have built on this house a long time. And maybe me more than Brother Baltman, maybe some of you longer than myself. But we want to build this life of ours to be one that can endure and that will outlast whatever comes its way. We want to be able to be standing when the storm has come and gone. And when the wind's not blowing anymore and the hail's not falling and the snow's not coming down impacting that house. 
And when all the thunder has ceased and the lightning is no longer ripping open the heavens, we want that house to be standing. I don't know about you, but when I started out over 50 years ago, I went down that aisle. I went down with a made-up mind. I didn't go with just, well, if I can make it, I'll hold on. If I can't, I'll quit. If things get too hard, then I'll just abandon it. Or if it's just too much to require of me from God to live this kind of life, I'll just lay it down and do something. No, I went with a made-up mind. And I thank God that He helped me make up my mind. And when I went and I said, God, I cannot build this life by myself. I cannot build this house by myself. I've got to have you to build this house for me. And when I went to him, I gave him the scrap lumber of my life. I gave him the fragments and the pieces that were left over. And I said, God, you may not can build anything out of this that's worth looking at, that's worth having, or something that you would even want to occupy. You're such a high and a holy God. You're such an all-powerful God. You're such an all-caring God. And I said, Lord, I feel so filthy in your sight. I feel so unworthy of you, so undeserving of you. But if you can take the scrap lumber of my feeble little building that I built on in sin, if you can tear it down, and start all over again and build me a house that you would take pride in living in. I said, I'm going to lay it all on the altar. I'm holding nothing back for myself. I'm not keeping one little crevice, one little nook, one little closet, or one little board, or one little nail for a world that wants to destroy me. I don't want any a space built in this house that the devil will ever have access to. I want it to be your house, God. I want it to be built by you, God. I want it to bring honor and praise and glory to you, God. I want it to be a house that only God alone can build. Does anybody know what I'm trying to tell us this morning? Uh, I know I'm not trying to take this out of context, reading it all together. Many of the commentators made this statement. It's referencing to building up your house as far as having children and having a heritage. And I'm not trying to take it out of context. But I also found where one commentator said it could also be a good example of building our house and our lives. But it said in that first verse, you and I read it, and we read it together, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. How many have we watched build their houses? And they put boards and nails and glass and, and roofing and whatever on their houses. But it was all in vain. Though they took pride in it and though they bragged about it and though they thought this is what I want, this is what I need, we knew, we saw, we observed from the Word of God that they're building something that is vain and empty, will never be fulfilled, will never 
be satisfied with it. I want God to build my house. I refuse to let those around me influence me in any avenue to think that I can build it or that some preacher can build it or that my companion can build it, that some college can build it, that some theologian can build it, or some church dignitary can build it. There's only one divine master builder of lies and that's the Lord Jesus Christ I've yet to see a life that he has been that he has had access total access to and been building on that life I've yet to see it crumble I've yet to see a storm destroy my God I feel heaven here I've yet to see a house that God has had total access to and worked on it. And whatever he wanted to do to it, that individual said, Oh, yes, God, I give myself to you. If you want to take that out, if you want to build that up, if you want to add some here or take off some there, I'm ready for you to work on my house. I've yet to see that house be a gloom and doom and despair house. But it's a house of joy. It's a house of praise. It's a house of worship. It's a house of love. I want God to build my house. I don't want to live my life to a ripe old age of 199 and then look at it and say, Oh, I have labored all these years in vain. I have nothing to show for it because what I have built has not fulfilled my soul and my spirit and has given me no hope for the future. But oh, if I die in this pulpit this morning, I want to be able to leave out telling you he's still working on me. He's still working on my building. He's going to help me get there. He's going to help you get there. Just let God build your house. Somebody praise him. Oh, my. Hallelujah. What this scripture is teaching you and I is total dependence on God for success, for eternal success. Total dependence on God for eternal success. Brother Music, I have never wanted to have the great success in this life. God in heaven knows I'm telling you the truth. I've never asked him to make me even with a call in, into the ministry. I have never, ever one time since he called me in 72, make me a great preacher, make me an outstanding speaker, make me eloquent in the pulpit, help me to have a greater delivery than anyone else has ever had. Oh, make me outdo, I've never asked him for that. There's only two things I've asked him for and I still do every day that I pray. I say, Lord, keep me and Brother Boltman in health and strength that we can work for you until our work is done. And I said, use us, God. It can be in a meager, undermining maybe way, underlying way that nobody even knows about. But I want God to use me. <laughs> I want God to have his will and way in my life. I want him to build on my house. I came to count meeting mission conference saying, Lord, work on me while I'm there. Work on me while I'm kneeling in prayer. Work on me while I'm worshiping with the choir. Work on me 
while I'm worshiping with the special singers. Work on me while Brother Rogers preaching. Work on me from the admonition. Brother Shannon gives us from the pulpit. I don't care how you do it, God. I just want something built on this house that I didn't have when I came here. My Lord, I feel heaven here this morning. God's getting this church ready. God's getting this house ready. We're going to take a flight one day, but he's got to build the house. Oh, my. Somebody say it with me. He is the divine architect. He is the divine architect. And we've got to have him. He's the designer and he's the draftsman of every soul, every life, every house. Amen. And he has a divine blueprint. Hallelujah. I said he has a divine blueprint. I asked Brother Roger, I said, did you and Sister Joan pick out the blueprint for your home? He said, yes, we did. And they were in total agreement as to what they wanted in that house when it was built. Amen. But they had to get the blueprint from somebody else. Not discrediting Brother Roger by no means. But Brother Roger, could you have drawn up that blueprint? Could you ever laid it out? Could you, ever, could, could you have ever put it on paper? Not me. He said he couldn't have. You had to have an outside a source, an architect, and a blueprint. Amen. God's our architect. They tell me that an architect can look and visualize what they want to build and even make all the changes and adjustments that would make it even better than we first thought that it was going to be. Isn't God that way? Brother Gerald, my Lord, you got such a memory. And that is so wonderful to preach the gospel. But would you have ever thought God would have brought you to where you are today? Uh, hey, I don't know if any of your family were preachers or not, Brother Gerald. But Brother Roger's dad was. And he, all three of the boys are preachers. And Joy Gale wants to be. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. But oh, Brother Roger might have thought, well, when he was wild, I'd never be a preacher. I'd never carry the gospel. Well, I want you to look at this old woman up here this morning. That was the furthest thing from my mind. And when God called me and I knew it was God scared me had to death. I thought, oh, Lord, I can't live through this. But God's brought me such a long way. I was thinking this morning, Brother Music, about the first time that I ever preached. I was so nervous I couldn't hold my Bible. My hands would shake too bad. My knees would not, so I'd stand behind the pulpit. You couldn't have pain me to get out from behind that pulpit. But the thoughts of God calling me to be a minister of the gospel was the furthest thing from my mind. I was as typical as any young lady was the day I lived in. The thought on my mind, I find that handsome prince, get married and have me some youngins. Amen. Get us a good job, have a good living, and just live it out together. Oh, my. But God said, oh, no, I've got to 
alter those plans. But before I can ever fulfill the blueprint that I have for your life, I've got to make some changes and what you want in that blueprint. Are y'all hearing me? God has to make some changes in that blueprint. And he made some drastic ones for me. He's made some drastic ones for you. But can I tell you, it's not really our house. It's God's house. We just supplied the material and God builds the house the way he wants it. Do you want to be a God-ordained, a God-sanctioned, blueprinted house? We've got a blueprint blueprint this morning hold your bible up brother roger that's our blueprint today that you and i are built by a blueprint is a technical drawing used as a reference before and during the building process it's before and during the building Brother Roger, come on, preach the rest of it and let me shout. Hallelujah. I said that blueprint is before it. And one foundation is dug, one block is laid, uh, one stud is put up. Oh, there's a blueprint, and it has stood the test of time. Others have cut a little here and shaved a little there and torn out this and done away with that. But that blueprint, hold it up again, Brother Roger, that blueprint is still alive today. And that blueprint can build a life that the devil cannot tear down, that the devil cannot destroy, that the devil cannot annihilate. He can build a house for his glory and honor, and he can occupy that house with the devil howling outside. He's on the inside saying, this one's mine. You can't have him. You can't have her. This is my house. Glory, glory, glory. I don't know what time it is. I know they got lunch, but a house desired to have. Any of you ever heard the expression, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on my dream house. Sorry about my voice being so raspy this morning. You ever heard that expression? Oh, that's my dream house. You got it laid out just like you want it. But oh, then when we turn it over to God, God said, oh, I've got other plans. I've got other plans that might have been your dream house, but I've got other plans, and it'll be even better than what you thought that dream house could be to you. Amen. That contractor, got to have a contractor. Someone secured. Listen now. Someone secured. I looked all this up in the dictionary this morning. Hallelujah. If I miss something, you can fill in the blanks. All right. Hallelujah. A contractor is someone secured by a formal contract or a legal binding agreement to perform certain duties in order to produce the required results. Anybody ever contracted to have something built, a house built? Anybody? Just make Jane. Lord, I was hoping somebody was here that could. I think Brother Roger and Brother Steve just had an agreement, but uh, really, if you're going to have a house built, other than the manner that he did it in, you've got to have a contract. And you, you're the one that's wanting it built, 
and you're wanting someone else to build it. And so you make up a contract. This is what I want. This is what I, I, I ask. This is what I require. And he says, this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to give. And we both sign the contract. Some of y'all ain't going to shout no matter what I preach. Can I just preach and shout for you? Hallelujah. So they, we both sign it. Amen. There's an agreement there. If that house is going to be built, I can't break the contract. And he can't break the contract. But there has to be an agreement until it's completed, till it's finished. And he hands me the key to it and said, now it's yours. I lost some of you there. Can I preach a little bit of that? Oh, hallelujah. Over 50 years ago myself, I went to an old-fashioned altar. How long ago was it for you, Brother Jeff? Long time. I ain't been 50. He ain't quite that old. Amen. How long has it been for you, Brother Roger? 40 years ago, Brother Gerald. 40. Brother Shannon. Long time. You can tell from that beard he's been around a long time. Amen. I told you I had to get you back, Brother Shannon. Hallelujah. But oh, my. When you signed that contract, when you came to that contractor, Lord Jesus Christ, and you said, I made a mess out of my life. I've wrecked my life. I've lived in sin. I've lived in shame. I've lived in wrong. And I'm tired of it. I want you to help me. I want you to do something for me. And you go down to that altar and you say, Lord, I need a new house. I, you may have to help me get up. I need a new building to live in. Lord, will you build me a house that you can live in that would please you and serve you? And the Lord didn't have to sign. He just reached out. And he, in agreement, he said, oh, yes, I will. He'll never break the contract, but we can. But, oh, can I tell you, it gets sweeter as the days go by. I don't want to break that contract. I don't know what he's going to do with me next. I don't know where he's going to take me next. I don't know what he's going to change in my life next. I don't know how he's going to work next. But I'm not about to break that contract. Oh, I'm not about to break my agreement with him. I said, if you'll help me, I give you everything. And it took it all. I said, it took it all. Oh, got somebody praising, somebody loving this morning. That contractor is still available right here in McClinton Church of God. That contractor is still on, on time and he's still in business. And he'll work on you today. He'll work in you today if you'll let him. Then you got to have the materials. I'm not done. Then you got to have the materials. The contractor can't produce the materials of himself. We supply the material. I want to have a better understanding of God's word. Supply the mind and the time to read and study. 
I want to have a more intimate relationship with God than supply the time and the prayer life being with God. I want to know. I want to be able to discern when it's the Spirit of God, when it's not. Spend time with God. Supply it. Amen. I want to see the work of the Lord go forward. Supply the hands. Supply the feet. Supply whatever it takes. Whatever it takes for him to build the house. We must supply the material. We can't, he will not, he'll, he'll, we can give it to him, but he will not. Take that rotten, broken, battered, weather, weather beaten boards of that sin life. He will not take that and use it in our house. But he'll replace it with good, sound material. Are you glad for a God? I'm closing. He said, they that build the house, they labor in vain if they build it useless, empty, worthless. No matter what skill, no matter what strength, what ability, intellect, or even determination they have. All of that is vain if God's not building the house. I have seen self-declared Christians I have seen people that have learned how to mimic the real. I've seen some that have learned how to do all the right things to look and appear Pentecostal or to appear a child of God. Yet I've seen their houses empty and void. I've watched them. I've listened to it. I'm not being critical when I say this. God in heaven knows my heart this morning. I'm not being critical. But I have seen them get up and perform. They could perform well. They could perform elaborately. They could perform right down to the very T. Amen. They could do everything just right. But there was nothing behind it. There was no anointing. There was no unction from God. There was no stirring and moving from God. I'd rather take my sign down right now. And go home. Then to just become an empty shell. Up in a pulpit. Trying to tell people how to live. When I've not been willing to do it myself. I I want my house built by God. I don't look around. To pattern myself after others. Because that's dangerous. Because sometimes I thought they were alright. When they were not alright. But I'll tell you the example. The only real example I have. And you have. It's the Lord Jesus Christ of how our house needs to be built. Amen. It'll never bring perfection. It will never bring completion or fulfillment. Amen. May succeed in building a beautiful, elaborate, outstanding, well-pleasing to the flesh, greatly admired by those around you in society, but it will never be lasting and permanent and accepted by God and never be fulfilling. But, oh, I'm glad God can build a house that he looks down with pride out of heaven and say they were nothing when I got hold of them, but look what I made out of them. Oh, they were in shambles when I got hold of them, but look how strong they are for me now and how they praise and worship me and serve me. I'll close with this as the singers come. In the book of Haggai,
Haggai, that's the way you say it. Chapter 1, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, unto Zerubbabel the son of Shittil, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord of Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Give deep thoughts to your ways is what he's saying there. Ye have so much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You looked for much and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow on it. Why? saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. Now, I know he's talking about a physical thing. I'm not trying to take it out of context. I know he's telling him, you've done all these things for yourselves, built your houses, sealed them up, and made them comfortable and elaborate. He said, but my house, my place of worship, you've not even raised your hand to build it, construct it, and have it like I want it to be. I know that's what that means. But I saw a spiritual parallel that I couldn't miss. Uh, bringing it to us this morning. How that sometimes, and I'm as guilty, I raise my hand so you'll know I'm not throwing this at anybody. I'm raising my hand. Sometimes we get so busy about the secular things of life. And the frivolous, flighty things of life. We've become so preoccupied with jobs, education, training programs, even entertainment and recreation. And we'll do everything we can to build up our house the way we want it built up. Look and sound. And all the while, the house of God, which is that inside, that's the dwelling place of God, is in here. We have not attended unto that. We have not prayed. Some of us go days and never pray. Some of us go weeks and never pick up the Bible from one Sunday to the next. Some of us never pray until we pray through and get hold of God and God gets hold of us. Some of us can never seem to get to the place that we can just release it all to God and say, I'm not here about my appearance today. That just brought something back to mind. I, I never had anybody give me a compliment like this. I was in a revival and, and greeting everybody before church. And it just blew my mind. This lady said, oh, I like the way you dress. I said, you do? She said, yes, you're classic. And I thought, oh, my, I don't know what classic means. Uh, really, I, I just took it as a compliment. And I said, thank you, ma'am, you know, for the compliment. Looked it up in the dictionary, and I know what it means now. Amen. You're out of style. You're old-fashioned. You're old fogey. That's all right. 
I took it as a compliment because this is the way I feel God wants me to dress. I'm not in a pulpit preaching that's the way you've got to dress. But I'm telling you, I wouldn't take anything for having the peace of mind that God has shown me. I shed off some things I used to wear. I cannot wear them anymore. Are y'all hearing me? I laid aside that look of that world because I want that world to know I'm not on their side anymore. I haven't been since Jesus saved me. Hallelujah. But oh my, if I work on it, if I came in here tonight and I got my hair all over on one side and swirled and curled and I got that sexy look in my eye and half of my clothes are hanging this way and half that way and I look like I just got out of bed. You wouldn't think much of me. Are y'all hearing me? I said you wouldn't think much of me. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? If I stepped out, looked like I came out of a department store. I looked like the latest style. And they even taught me how to swing when I walk. You wouldn't think much of me. I could get that down pat. Don't look at me. I ain't too old. I could do it if I had a mind to do it. But oh, I don't have a mind to do it. I said I don't have a mind to do it. I'll tell you why. He's working on my house. I said he's working on my building. He's working on my house. And one day he's going to come back for me and I'm going to leave this shell here but I'm taking my house to glory. Stand with me. Didn't mean to preach too long. Oh. It's sad, but God knows I'm preaching the truth. We've come to an hour. We got time for everything but the house of God. We've got a time. We can watch, I don't care if it is, Christian movies. We got time for that, but we don't have time for the house of God. We've got time to get with our friends and buddies, go on a bowling tournament and sin there's a sin. In bowling, if you think it's a sin, then don't you go. It's a sin too. I'm not saying it's a sin to bowl. We'll make time for that. But we'll leave the house unattended. Oh, you'll be all right like you are. You'll be all right. Linda, you don't go to those places you used to go. You don't dress like you used to dress. You don't talk like you used to talk. You'll be all right. Oh, no, I won't. He's got to work on me. He's got to work on me. I'm asking us this morning, who will meet me in this altar? And say, Lord, I've come for you to work on my house. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we met him in these altars and God gave us something we brought back tonight into this service. And it's almost like heaven settled down in this place tonight. Amen. I want him to work on me. Besides that, Brother Sammy, I'm not always in an atmosphere like this. Everybody doesn't always give me a classic opinion. Some, they're not, somebody's not always nice to me. Oh, some laugh at me. Some make fun of me. Some whisper behind my back. And I've even having to say things directly to my face. That may be all right for you, but that's not for me. I want to know. I've let him work on me. I can look back and say, well, it's for me. It's for me. And if I could sing, I'd sing. I'd rather be an old-time Christian. 
than anything I know. Because there's nothing like an old singer. I'll preach another hour. Meet me in the altar.